Kevin and Mike are here to give you great news. Nice. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Great News with Kevin and Mike. Great news! There's just, there's, let's let's start with the intro oh, this yeah, time. Oh, yeah, And I'm going to do it better this time. Okay. I, I went over it. Yesterday was weak. I know. It was a struggle. Uh, not weak. It okay. was a struggle. Technically, technically it was bad. But yes. I felt like my heart was there. Again. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> intro! The show's about to begin, bro! So hello to the happy goodbye to the blues. Kevin and Mike are here to give you great news. Woo! Very nice. Very nice. People are throwing their panties up here. Are they? Nope. I don't see that. No, I don't see any. Uh, if you like this uh, podcast, please subscribe and click that little bell so that it'll notify you every time uh, we do a show, which is every day. Yeah. Uh, and we're doing great news because... The news is so unbelievably negative, and especially in this past year, with politics and everything else, it just beats you down, and you just feel like, I can't watch another second of the news, and I've always been that way. I've always tried to stay away from the news because I just feel like it's a negative influence on me, and I don't want that. It really is, and also, I think it's dishonest, in the sense that the, the, the show, I'm not going the fake news route, but what I'm saying is that you get a, a, a very... Um, Jaded view yeah, of society yeah. that isn't real. Correct. You got to start to believe like everyone is this way. Every you know, all teachers, all cops, all politicians are this, and it's like that's not true. Well, I mean, I was using this this um, example before, but when you see a video of somebody without a mask fighting a whole Home Depot, yeah, you think, wow, this is terrible. I can't believe this. And I've been in a hundred stores and everyone has a mask and it's all good. Yeah. So that's the reality. I, you, you mentioned that. It's boring, it's boring, but that's the reality. You mentioned that on episode one, I believe, where you're like, have you ever seen that? And I was like, no, dude, I never, I actually did. You did. But here's the thing. In real life, you know what happens? Someone's like, you know what? I don't feel comfortable wearing my mask. I don't feel like I have the right. And a manager came over and she, he's like, ma'am, ma'am, can I, can I just talk to you outside? And they went and I watched out of my periphery and they talked for 45 seconds, and she calmly put on a mask and went in and shopped in the store. Wow. That's how real life tends to end, you know, not when... That's worst case, right. real that's life. That's not Chad's and Karen's like, yeah, I'm right. going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's why we do uh, great news. It uh, um, gives your soul a boner. Is that right? That's right. I forgot. Oh, wait, you said you had some slogans for me because I came up with that. I have some slogans that I think would work for our great news. You know, you, you say great news with Kevin and Mike. And then here's the slogan. Yeah. Now, when you're sick, yes. uh, you're congested, you have a headache, not COVID, but just regular sick. Um, someone goes and gets you and makes you what? Chicken soup. Yes. So that's what we're doing, except for for your soul. Kevin. So we could do chicken, chicken soup, soup for your soul. For your soul. Is a thing. Boom. Already. That's what I'm saying. It's a thing. No, I mean, it's already been used many times before. There's whole book lines of chicken soup for the. All right, I have others. Okay. Because, I, I mean, others. That, what you just did is like saying, great news with Kevin and Mike. Da, 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 da. I'm loving it. That's like, not it's bad. already a thing. That's not bad. Let's do that. Okay. Kevin. Great news with Kevin and Mike. Where's the beef? <laughs> I'm aging myself with that right Look, now. I'm trying. All right. I'm trying. Listen, I have a few. Listen. I have a couple more. Okay. But for later in the show. Okay, go ahead. Uh, let's start with Dr. Omar Atik, 
who founded in Arkansas the Cancer Clinic in 1991. So he started it and like everybody else, had a very rough year economically last year. And listen to, he, he had to close his business. Okay. Um, and he was owed money. Okay. Listen to what this doctor did. At nine, it's nothing short of a Christmas miracle for cancer patients in Pine Bluff. Our Hunter Hoagland talked to one doctor who treated them in more ways than one. He joins us live in studio with this remarkable story of generosity. Hunter. Yeah, Kevin, this is Dr. Omar Atik. He founded the Arkansas Cancer Institute in Pine Bluff back in 1991. Unfortunately, they had to close their doors earlier this year due to staffing shortages, but he didn't forget about his patients. The faces of cancer. It can be anybody. Still smiling in a year that's been harder than most. It's your neighbor. It's the barista at your Starbucks, or it's the teacher at uh, where your kids or your younger siblings, if you have them, go to school. Faces fighting a lot more than just cancer in 2020. Being sick is hard. Having cancer is harder. And having cancer in this pandemic is devastating. Meet Dr. Omar Atik. He's treated thousands as an oncologist in Pine Bluff over the decades. So if it's his job to help, this year was no different. I'm just a regular physician, a regular person that they have in the neighborhood. It so happens to be me standing here. Giving a gift that needed no unwrapping. He sent this holiday greeting to 200 of his patients at the Arkansas Cancer Institute. Reading, the clinic has decided to forego all balances owed to the clinic by its patients. The ones who were just struggling couldn't pay, so we thought that we could just give up, you know, just write off the debt. Bills that totaled around $650,000 now completely wiped away. Atik hopes in a year where his patients have battled a lot, that this brings hope for a brighter 2021. I love them. I care for them. I'm glad I was able to do a little bit at this point for them. Still so much good out there. Dr. Atik tells me they worked with a billing company to wipe the debt away and to make sure no patient would face any kind of financial repercussions. Kevin, back to you. Great. Thank you. Thank you for throwing it back to me. Um, how amazing is that? $650,000. He just said, you know what? Merry Christmas. That's I'm closing my business, which is unbelievable. probably really hard on him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for giving $650,000 worth of debt. Dude. I mean, that, what a beautiful, beautiful man. I mean, that, that really encapsulates great news. I, I just... Mike's about to say something bad. No, no, <laughs> I, I almost can't. We've, we've done a lot of stories. Uh, just in the short time we've been doing the show, we've done a lot of stories already. And every once in a while I go, man, and I'll, I'll shed a tear. But I see kind of where someone could come up with that idea in their mind. How an oncologist who's out of work... Yeah. And probably by, you know, I'm just guessing by his age, he has a family. Yeah, he has a wife. He had a wife yeah. and they talked about it. And he said, hey, is this something that we could do financially? And yes. they, I mean, and they look, said, yeah. I worship at the altar of Western medicine. I know it's easy to crap on, on them nowadays with the pandemic. But, you know, if crap hits the fan, you, American doctors are the best. Yeah, know, I agree. When handling it. Now, prevention, we can talk and there may be some. Sure. But, but American doctors, the group. But. They're so restricted by this Hippocratic Oath and what their very stringent standards, which I understand, that a lot of times they become these walking 
analytical robots. And to see that level of human compassion out of a doctor is just, it's so moving. He could have just closed the clinic and moved on with his life and figured out what was next. I I think he has another clinic as well, but the fact that it came to him, oh wait, if I close my business, I'm owed $650,000. The fact that it even came to his mind and then he and his wife discussed it and then they decided just, they send out a Merry Christmas card. You don't owe us any money. Crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. It's unbelievable, man. That's a beautiful story. It might, it's, it's, you know, hitting a little close up. My father has cancer right now. He has lymphoma. And uh, by the grace of God, he's okay. The treatment, they got to it early and everything. But what he was saying, like cancer in and, in and of itself is bad. Yeah. Cancer, when you can't see your family and uh, going to the hospital becomes this like CIA mission of having people separate from you and everything. And your bills are mounting every time you go. Dude, dude. It's rough. It's crazy. Uh, much love to that guy. Okay, here's another one of those stories where you go, well, that that's not real. That's, <laughs> there's, just, there's just no possibility. There are a lot of those stories that just don't seem real. So uh, there's this guy, Daryl Davis, okay? A blues musician uh, from the South. He's banked around all over the South as a blues musician, I would imagine, does. You know, from Memphis to, to Louisiana and all over where it, it, you know, kind of where a lot of American blues develop. Um, so Daryl Davis, he's... Uh, an older guy now, not old, but older. He's probably, you know, in his 50s or 60s. And about 25 years ago, he's sitting down, having a beer with a guy talking blues music, white guy. Daryl is obviously the man here in the picture, not in the clan, not in the clan outfit. He's the one that's not in white. Yeah. And um, he's having a conversation with you, just drinking and talking about blues music. And all of a sudden, um, the guy who he's talking to says, you know, I've, this is very strange. I've never had a conversation with a black person before. I've, it's, I thought you were going to say about the blues before. Right. And uh, he goes, what, what do you mean? You're like, you're like 25, 26 years old and you live here in, in Memphis. It, that, that seems impo- I mean, a huge black population. That's impossible. Right. He's like, well, I'm, I'm a Klansman. He just said that to the yeah. guy. That and is not a conver- that's not a good conversation starter. If you're a black guy, I would imagine that's probably not good to hear right. that the person you're talking to is in the Klan. But he recognized that by spending that 20, 30 minutes talking and getting to know each other and seeing on eye to eye, seeing eye to eye a little bit, that uh, the guy completely changed the way he thought about black people. And uh, wow. they've been friends ever since and has now, the guy has... Uh, refuted his past and they get is he so, gonna change his wardrobe no he you know just out of style he decided to hold on to <laughs> the outfit right? yeah. no but uh, all kidding aside he handed over the hood to Daryl right so Daryl gets this idea and he spent the last 30 years collecting over 200 Klansmen's hoods of Klansmen that wow. he has got to reform their ways and to completely distance themselves from their past. Wow, that's and amazing. He, make, he says, I don't ask anything from you. I don't expect you to change how you feel. Just spend some time with me. Let's go out. Let's hang. Play some music. Maybe listen to some music. Let's just talk. Let's chit-chat. Over 200 Klansmen he has gotten wow. to change their entire outlook on not only black people but their life. And that is fucking remarkable and i frankly think that that is at the center of what is kind of our main problem with society right now is that most people especially during the lockdown don't have the ability to just to interact, interact. yeah so they end up doing it via 
these kind of pseudo-distanced ways of online, Twitter, uh, you know, Facebook, Zoom, and you just aggregate this different level of distance and misunderstanding from the people around it, you. It naturally makes it harder to get along with other people. And it just you, does. It does. It absolutely does. And you couple that with the fact that you get this almost this built up disdain for yeah. other people yeah. because the more callous you are online, the more you get celebrated. Oh. So then there's currency in that and it gets bad. The and worst, the worst thing you say gets re, you know, retweeted on Twitter almost always more than the best thing. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that that was a, a rather remarkable story about a rather remarkable guy and that he is a true example of how we, in these divisive times, can maybe look for a real solution as opposed to slogans that we yell at each other, you know, like, just say like, well, wait a second, we're all human beings, let's maybe just interact. The guy in that story said, I've never talked to a black person. And you know wow. what? I, I actually, I don't have sympathy, but I have a much higher level of understanding for uh, bigotry after Loveline. Because I grew up in the east side of Los Angeles. And I will take the Pepsi challenge. I grew up in maybe the most diverse place, close to, in the top five for sure, most diverse places on earth. My graduating class in high school, if you were a blonde Protestant white guy, you were by far the minority. I grew up in a really diverse place. So a lot of that stuff, it almost didn't compute for me. Yeah. But then I started hosting Loveline and I started talking to people all over the country. And Loveline was a uh, call-in show on K-Rock, and it was there for 30, 30 years. Something, 33 years with, and, with Dr. Drew. And Mike hosted it for 10 years or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that, a little under 10 years. So I would take these calls from around the country, and I can't tell you how many times you started to talk to someone, and they're like, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever met a Jew. I don't know if I've ever... And, and for me, I was like, well, what, do you, what yeah. do you mean? You're, well, how do you live your life? I talked to this kid... In, uh, in Ohio. Um, he said he was about an hour outside of Cleveland. And he calls up Dr. Drew and I and he goes, hey, uh, I got this real problem. My, I fell in love with this girl and we had a great relationship, but she moved back to her country of origin. She was, I believe, Chinese or Korean. Um, and she moved back to, to China or Korea. And uh, so what do I do? And I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, I, I really like Asian girls now. What do I do? I go find another Asian chick. He's like, what, what, how do I do that? And I go, do you honestly not know where to find an Asian chick? And he's like, no, I, I, I've never met another one in my life. And I, you know, I was like, dude, get a Southwest stick to LAX. Yeah. Go 10 miles east to like Monterey Park. Your head will blow off your neck. But, <laughs> but it gave me such a, a, a bit of understanding that you know, people don't necessarily have those feelings. They just develop these senses of what they think because they don't know other yeah, people. They, they haven't experienced yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like stinky cheese. Huh? If you grew I'm up, sorry? if you grew up eating, or or like Indian food, if you grew up eating really exotic, spicy foods and stuff, it doesn't seem weird when you're 20 years old because you're right. like, well, that's that's pad thai. I like pad thai. If you grew up eating nothing but mac and cheese and chicken nuggets, 
<laughs> you know, when you get to your 20s and you're like, um, I'm sorry? What My daughter, in her, in her, uh, she uh, showed me pad thai. She yeah. ordered it one night. She's like, you're eating it. And yeah. I was like, all right, good. It's really good. It's really good, but who knew? But I can totally understand as someone who, if you didn't grow up in a world where that was normalized, you're like, wait, wait, I'm sorry, baba ganoush? Uh, no. <laughs> like, I'm not going to eat a chicken with the head on it. No, no fucking way. So it, I just thought that this guy, Daryl Davis, you know, Good on you, and it shows, you. Uh, it shows that, you know, maybe interacting is actually a solution to a lot of our problems. And maybe we can do that, let's say, later this year. When we can interact. Maybe let's that would it, be yes. great. Let's talk about some inmates. Let's do it. Paying off a school loan. <laughs> what? Let's run the video, please. This morning, we're sharing a story about the power of redemption and paying it forward. The U.S. has less than 5% of the world's population, but about 20% of its prison population. That is not good. One California program is tackling mass incarceration by focusing on empathy and restorative justice. Omar Villafranca shows us how an unlikely partnership forged behind bars helped a high school student in need, and it all began in a prison book club. All right, hold right there. It all began in a prison book club. <laughs> you know what? My relationship with my wife. Same thing. Same thing. All, All right. together, that, prison book club. That's beautiful. <laughs> Refreshing to have young men come into a space with us and see us as what we are, which is people. For the past seven years, students from the Palma School in Salinas, California, have been part of a book club at an unlikely place, Soledad Prison. And former inmate Jason Bryan says the discussions went beyond plot lines and protagonists. When I encountered the young men, I was just encouraged to see the, the, the good choices that they were making at, at such a young age when I was not. When he was 20 years old, Bryant was sentenced to 26 years to life Ooh. for his involvement in a 1999 robbery that resulted in a shooting death. Behind bars, Bryant was looking for ways to be of service. Then, at book club, he heard about Ernest Gordon's Miracle on the River Kwai. In the book, prisoners of war created a culture of sacrifice, and they called it mucking. All right, just, 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 they called it mucking. M with, with an M, mucking. Okay. That's their word for helping someone else. Mucking. Mucking. Not a pretty enough word. Mucking. No. I'm going to have to talk to them about No, that does yeah. seem like it's a nasty word, but it is not. Yes. Yeah. Inspired by the POWs, Bryant and his co-defendant hatched a plan. All right, now, hold up. How many times have you heard the sentence, inspired by a POW? Never ever? for good stuff. <laughs> never, ne never ever for like, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, uh, I've never heard that sentence said from a human being. Well, I guess, what's the dude? Look, I was talking one time to a POW, and... <laughs> I mean, that just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. All right. <laughs> no, I guess you're right. And he leaned over and he said, that is exactly what we need to do. We need to muck for a young man. The okay, hold up. Now, I just want to clarify again. We need to muck for young men. Yeah. The word is muck. Mother muckers. Yes. As they were called, decided to raise money from other prisoners to create a scholarship fund for a Palma student in need. Almost 800 inmates, many working jobs like sweeping, clerking, or making furniture, raised $32,000 oh over the course of three years. 
So the base pay for incarcerated people in the state of California is eight cents an hour. An hour. An hour. Hold up. And Hold up. Eight cents an hour. And they raised $32,000. That's almost hard to wrap your head around. Eight cents an hour. Dude, the, the, the like slave laborers at, at Apple factories in China are laughing at those guys. They're like, <laughs> eight cents an hour. <laughs> that is a crazy low amount of money and a huge amount of money for them to raise. It's real, that makes it even that much more impressive. Wow. Let's continue. People were so drawn to the idea of going a mile deep in a young man's life that they were giving up their month's pay to contribute. They were anywhere from 50 cents to $100 here and there. Mia Marisu and Jim Micheletti founded the literature program called Exercises in Empathy. When students go in, justifiably, they're, they're a little bit afraid. They go in thinking monster, and they come out thinking a man, a human being. And they've, they've done bad things, but there's no throwaway people here. When they learned about the inmates' plan, they knew exactly who should receive the scholarship. Before his sophomore year, Cy Green's father had a heart transplant. His mother had an accident and lost her vision, and both parents lost their jobs. That was a financial burden um, with all the medical bills and stuff. Green was shocked to learn inmates, who he'd never met, had come together to pay for his tuition so he could continue going to private school. I was mind blown. And then immediately I was just grateful. Green is now 19 and in college. Graduated from Palma School last year with Bryant by his side. Is there any level of personal redemption in getting involved in something like this? I mean, you're talking to someone who committed a crime that cannot be undone, um, the harm. So uh, I don't know about redemption. I can say this, I know that those of us who have truly transformed our lives are committed to add value in any way that we possibly can. After 20 years behind bars, last March, California Governor Gavin Newsom granted Bryant clemency. Backdrop? Yeah, I think so. He's using his second chance to mentor students like Cy Green, who know he also has a responsibility to continue paying it forward. And having that I guess them in the, in the back of my mind all the time. They put all this effort and all this work into me, so I have to honor that and carry that legacy on. For CBS This Morning, Omar Villafranca, Dallas. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. How about that guy? I will say, uh, I don't recommend being a drug addict, but okay. there are- That's a good start. There have been some amazing benefits for me, being a drug addict and getting in recovery. And one of them is that you get to get to know people that you would never have gotten a chance to be around. And overwhelmingly, not always, but overwhelmingly when you meet these guys and they're, they're my age now, and, but when they were 19, they killed a guy. Or when they were 19, they, they, they used to steal cars for a living. That's how they got You bumped. ran over a bum I, when you were 19. That, I was in, only in the back seat. <laughs> um, but but uh, First off, how dumb were we when we were? 19? Oh my God! I yeah. just, I, I just think, I, I, I don't know how I'm still out of jail. Right. Because I, I'm just dumb. Yeah. Like, and I do dumb things. And not even evil, just, just dumb. Just right? dumb. And and you. Or not paying attention or whatever. Wake up. Yesterday, I was in the grocery store and I started pushing somebody else's cart. <laughs> 
was trying to be nice. You're trying to help her. Trying I to wasn't. Her. I thought it was mine, and then I was like, "Well, somebody put different things in my cart." <laughs> no, you? I, I'm, you know, I'm more than 19, but I'm just dumb. Didn't you take someone else's car from a valet? Uh, yeah, I took someone else's car, but I got a new car the day before. It's a long story. <laughs> It's a long story. <laughs> My point being is that like you're not necessarily the smartest person. When no, you're young I'm not. And, and a lot of us make mistakes, and you realize when you talk to these people that they they're just human beings, and they definitely still feel sor- sorrow and empathy for the things that they, they, they did. Not all the time, but but for the most part. And um, it's beautiful to see that level of. I know he didn't want to use the word, but that that type of redemption. You know. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of redemption. Oh, by the way, eight cents an hour, 32 grand. Yeah. 400,000 hours. Wow. Thank you to our, our amazing production team. Wow, that's impressive. That's way impressive. hours of work. Wow. There's never really anything uplifting about child abuse. Right. It's about, you know, you just can't really, even like, even like extreme death metal bands and stuff, who's like, you know, sacrificing virgins and like impaling people. No one does the like, and this is the song about beating kids. You know, you just yeah. don't do it. It's just, there's nothing good there. So there is something incredibly uplifting when someone who doesn't necessarily know that child does something about it, has the bravery to stand up for that While child. it's happening? Absolutely. So New Year's Day, Orlando, Florida, this uh, young lady um, named Flavain. Carvalho, I believe that is uh, Brazilian. She's working at a waitress at a restaurant called Mrs. Potato. Okay. She is serving these people. Is she Mrs. Potato? I don't believe so. Okay. She's Brazilian, so she's Mrs. Potato. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, so she's a, she's a waitress and she's working and it's New Year's Day and their uh, 11-year-old boy comes and sits down with what looks to be his parents. She's serving him taking the order and recognizes that the dad won't allow the little boy to have any food. Oh no. So she's like, well, that's awfully weird. You know, like maybe the kid was acting up in a car, really not a bit. But then she's realizing uh, the kid's got bruises all up and down his arms and like in, in different places. And so- And that's Mike's great news. Yeah. How, how does this turn? Hold on. All right. Mrs. Potato Head comes in? She does not know these people, but she, feels obviously as a human being she feels concerned for this child so you ever see uh love actually it's been a long time okay but you know how the dick from walking dead at the end with his best friend's wife does the like yeah and he's holding the sign so she's like i'm gonna do that she goes and she puts up a sign i believe we have a picture of the sign that um she used this is the waitress that's waitress. showing a sign to the kid she stands behind wow. the parents and puts up this sign do you need help and um the first time, the kid shrugs it off. And he's like, no, no, no. So she I would assume he would be afraid he'd get in trouble. He's scared. Yeah. He's scared. It's his 11-year-old boy. He's very scared. She comes back again. She's like, I, I just, there's something else. She, she comes back again, and she's like, is everything okay? And the kid says, I need help. He's not wow. Okay. So she calls the cops, okay? Turns out she probably saved this young boy's life. I think we have some video saw some bruise on his, uh, the side of his eye. Flaviani knew the boy at her table needed help, but she had no clue that in essence, she was about to save his life. I start thinking what I should do and what I could do. It was New Year's Day. 
the 11-year-old came into a restaurant with a four-year-old girl and this couple, Kristen Swan and Timothy Wilson. Guilty. The restaurant, Mrs. Potato in Orlando, is a popular foodie spot. The owner says that the boy sat in this chair up against the wall and his back to the door and that there were two children with the couple, yet they only ordered one kid's meal. The server asked, don't you want another kid's meal? The couple said, no, he's gonna eat at home. The server asked, does he want some water? No, was the answer. Flaviani looked closer and could see bruises on the boy's face and arms. She made this sign, do you need help? Stood behind the couple so they could not see her. And this is when he nodded, yes. She called police. Detectives say what they learned about the boy's life could only be described as torture. Police say Timothy Wilson tied the boy's ankles and wrists with strips, hung him upside down from a door, and for Christmas. Santa, for the parents, Santa had suggested that he be punished. He was handcuffed to a furniture dolly um, with his hands behind his back. Both Timothy Wilson and Kristen Swan are facing charges. Swan with two counts of child neglect. Wilson with aggravated child abuse. Flaviani says she's not the hero, the boy is. I would like to give him a big hug and tell him that I'm so proud of him. In Orange County, Michelle Meredith, West 2 News. So <clears throat> after all that, they're talking to the Orlando police chief. Um, and he said, we were definitely looking at a homicide that was prevented. Wow, yeah. From his knowledge of, of you know, child abuse, that, that this kid would have eventually. You know the difference between the people who see that and go, I don't know, something might be wrong. Yeah. And she put, makes a sign and holds it up and calls the police. Like, that's the type of people that we need. It absolutely is. Because you can say, like, well, of course. I mean, who wants to say? Everyone wants to save. But if you're put in that situation, that's scary. Because that could go south, too. Like, what if the kid's really into Muay Thai? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if he's not? You know what I'm saying? What if you, And then you're no, the agreed. guy who called the cops. No, so, no, agree. Um, I had that go south. I'm sorry? I had that happen. What do you mean? What do you mean you had that happen? I was at Starbucks, and I was next to a young lady. She was probably in her mid-20s, and she had a big black eye, and her, it had a big scrape next to her face. Right. Uh, along the side of her face. And I was very bothered by it because she was with this kind of, like, bro-y dude, super jacked, and a big guy, and he had tattoos all over and stuff. And I'm like, hmm. I don't know. Hmm. It really that, bugged you. It really isn't sitting me with me right. She, and so I waited for the guy to kind of go talk on his phone. And she was waiting for her drinks. We were, you know, like you order at Starbucks and you have to go wait for them. Right. So I go, are you okay? She said, what? I go, you're, you're, are you okay? Do you need me to do something? And she went, boom. She goes, I'm an MMA fighter. Wow. And I go, oh, I'm, she's like, no, thank you though. Thank you. But, but that's the like, important I part. Train, I train. And, and, and she's like, and that's, he's my coach and my boyfriend. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, oh, you, you, you do you then. Oh, but you did the right thing yeah. just by questioning. And then she was able to tell you that she was fine. Yeah. And thank you for checking. But it, I will tell you, and not like I'm so brave or anything, but it, there's a weirdness. There. You're really brave. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dude, the other day, got a new mattress. There's a sign right there, do not cut this. Fucking cut it off. Wow. The other day, I sent you an email. It said, no subject line. And I sent it anyway. You're lucky to be Ooh. alive. I was like, I'm like guys in the trenches in World War One, bro. All right. I have one more slogan for you before the end of the show in yeah. your outro. Yes. Um, we're doing stories. We're doing great news stories because it, it, it gives you hope. Mm-hmm. It helps your soul. So I was thinking that makes us soul men. So we could do a song like our theme song would be like, I'm a soul man. And then you go. Great idea. Um, I believe it's already. No, no. You're supposed to sing your part. Been done. I'm a, I'm a soul. I'm, I'm, it's been been done. Not only is it a very famous song, it's a terrible movie from the 80s where a guy uses tanning cream to pretend he's black to go to Harvard. That happened! <laughs> that did happen. I mean, it didn't happen. The movie happened. That, but that's real. Yes. That's correct. He's like, oh, well, if he got into, I know what I should do. <laughs> and he took, like, some melatonin pill. I don't know what the... But he, and then, by the way, look, not black at all. Maybe vaguely, like, Indian. <laughs> but there's no possibility... That, and then he went to Harvard, and he's like, hey, buddy, I'm, I'm so a black man. Times are different, aren't oh, they? Oh, yes, it certainly is. It yes. certainly is. All right. <clears throat> Good episode. Well if done. you like the episode, subscribe. Subscribe. Hit the bell thingy so you get all of your notifications. Correct. Um, by this point, we're probably available where all podcasts are available. Possibly. Yeah, technology's <laughs> weird. All right. That's <clears throat> me. Outro. Outro. <clears throat> Sorry, I was going to introduce you. Outro. Outro. You know what I'm talking about, bro! Yeah! We said hello to the happy goodbye to the blues! Kevin and Mike just gave you all the great news! Boom! (laughs) Kevin and Mike are here to give you great news! Nice!